0: Awesome. So it's going to be a great morning. Uh, As Pastor Steve said, my name is Ryan Mauser and I'm the student pastor. And uh, today I have the honor, man, to bring the word to you. Uh, Most of the time you see me up here, I'm hosting or preaching to students. And so uh, it is truly an honor. It's a gift. I'm excited and appreciative of every opportunity given to me. So we're going to have some fun. Just go ahead and tell your neighbor to your left or your right. We're going to have some fun this morning. We'll laugh a little bit. We're going to laugh a little bit. Hey, listen, we hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, maybe, maybe you had a great Thanksgiving. How many of you went Black Friday or Black Thursday shopping? Come on. All right, good, good. You're here, so that means you survived. You didn't get trampled on. Uh, also, you, you didn't get put in jail, as some did. Um, so that's, that's a positive, uh, but hopefully, man, you had a great, a great Thanksgiving, great Black Friday. Everybody was safe. Everybody was respectable on the road, especially with your faith church sticker. Everybody was respectable, right? You didn't cut anybody off or give anybody a California howdy. So, well, good. Listen, we're going to have a good time. Uh, listen, as we get ready, who's ready for some Christmas? Anybody ready for Christmas? I love Christmas. Uh, I love Christmas for lots of reasons. I love to give presents, but uh, I like to receive presents as well. So I just wanted, because I got the platform, I just want everybody to know if you're feeling extra generous this year, uh, our staff is ready for any gifts that you'd like to bring our way. Um, If you didn't know this, our lead pastor is uh, down a few sizes. Does Pastor Steve not look great? Man, he's been working really hard. He looks great. Uh, Last service he was here, and I could point to him. But He's obviously not here right now, Uh, but he's really down a few sizes. I know at Christmas time, a lot of you like to give him donuts. So I just want you to know he's down a few sizes. I'm up a few sizes. I'll eat the donuts. Just bring them on. Okay. Uh, Also, if you're looking for some gift ideas, uh, Pastor Adam and Miss Brittany, they like clothes and they look good in any kind of clothes. Okay. So you bring them gifts. Uh, Pastor Archie uh, likes red pants. So if you got any red pants, he likes those. He uh, also likes any kind of hat. So if you can come up with a cool hat. He likes to rock those things. Uh, Pastor Victor likes protein shakes of any kind, uh, and he also likes steaks. That man can eat more steaks than anybody I've ever seen, okay? But, uh, but also, Pastor Ronnie, as always, all you need to get him is uh, a mirror and a comb so he can look at himself. And uh, all right, so so listen, man, we're going to have a great time. I, I, think, uh, I think we should laugh. I think this should be the place where the most joy in Florence, Alabama should be. Amen. Yeah. Listen, because the Bible says that, uh, that we are free. We're free from our past, our present, our future sins. It also says that God has a plan for our life. And, uh, and, man, I just believe that if we're free and God says, I got a great plan for you, there should be joy in God's house and in God's people. So we're going to have a great time. We're going to laugh a little bit. Uh, and, uh, man, just believe God's got a great word for us. So. I think, man, this morning, God's got a lot for us to say. And I I think, man, when we talk about Thanksgiving, uh, especially with uh, all that's been going on, anybody, everybody eat a lot at Thanksgiving? Anybody overeat at Thanksgiving? Okay. Went a couple times, maybe two or three times. So I got some random Thanksgiving facts. Is that okay? Can I give you a couple of those? Y'all all all right with that? Uh, So here's, here's, here's a couple of just meaningless things. Did you know that, that Thanksgiving actually started off as a fast, that, that was good. It actually started off as a fast because the, uh, the farmers, they, they, they grew their crops and when there was a harvest, uh, there would be this moment where they'd be like, man, we had a, a positive harvest, a, a good harvest came in, so we're just gonna rejoice and, and not eat for three days until the Indians came along and they said, no, instead of just uh, having a, a fast, we're gonna have a feast. And so I'm just saying, I thank God for Indians this morning. Like, oh, I'll do that, okay? I like to eat. I like to eat a lot of it, okay? Americans this year, Ate roughly uh, 535 million pounds of turkey. Hello. Say, that's a lot. Uh, The average weight of the turkeys this year in the American home was 15 pounds. Uh, Turkeys have more protein in them than chicken or beef. Did you know that? I didn't know that, so I'm thinking turkey's going to be served at UMI sometime soon, okay? If you don't like UMI, we need to pray for you. It's the best restaurant in Florence. Uh, Listen to this one. The average American... On Thanksgiving, we'll consume forty-five hundred calories on Thanksgiving Day. On one one day, that's just your first meal. Okay, that's your first meal. You're not not to include your second and your third. Uh, about three thousand for the meal and an additional fifteen hundred for the snacks. So I said. We need to flip the script. I like 3,000 in my dessert and 1,500 in my vegetables. Anybody else with me? Come on. That's what I'm talking about. That's a good Thanksgiving when there's all kinds of desserts. And so, uh, so listen, let me ask this question this morning, kind of getting into what we're going to talk about. Who endured uh, on Thanksgiving you overate, who endured this thing called a food coma? Anybody endure that? You know what that is? You ever heard that term? Food coma is when you overeat and uh, you're feeling all fat and sassy, if you will, and uh, the moment kind of comes where you sit in your recliner or the couch and your grandmother's telling you a story that she's told you three times already, okay. Or, or somebody's talking to you, you're watching football, and this moment comes where you're just like, all of a sudden, you're out. Anybody ever done that, okay? It just hits you all of a sudden, you're like, I'm so sleepy, watching the football game. Uh, I, I've done this before, um, got selfies taken of me, drooling, snoring, shaking, it doesn't matter, it just happens, right? So the food coma, and what, that, what this is scientifically is this is like, you eat so much, you put so much food in you, that like your body says, I need to rest, Okay, you just need to just need to have that moment of rest. Uh, I endure the food coma almost every year But the question is when you pile your plate full And you eat all these desserts and then you have your leftovers and then you want biscuits on the next morning You know with ham and them. okay Like when you do all this, what do you do with all that food that you've consumed? Because I mean the truth is like you got to do something, right? Because if it just sits on you and you don't do anything You're gonna get lazy. You're gonna have apathy in your life and Excess weight is going to come upon your body, right? And listen, we can all agree, ain't nobody got time for that, right? And so, what do you do with all that? So, listen, I want you to just, we're going to talk about this today. What do we do with stuff in our lives? Everybody say, I have to do something. Come on, everybody say, we have to do something. This is, we're going to talk about this, and, uh, and really, just kind of as it correlates, we're talking about food and Thanksgiving, you know, this entire month as a, as a, a pastoral staff, you got to hear some different pastors. Uh, but what we've been doing spiritually is we've just been piling it on, right? We've been given some words and, uh, pastor Steve's brought some great challenges. Pastor Adams brought some great challenges. The worship has been off the charts. Has the worship not been off the charts like the last year? Come on, let's just give it up for our worship team. It's good. It's good. So, like, we just we're just piling all this stuff on, and hopefully, what we're doing is we want to get you where you're you're feeling full, and you have this feeling of, man, I'm 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 ready to go out. I'm ready to do something. But oftentimes, the sad reality is that we get full and we do nothing. Everybody say we have to do something. Oftentimes, we we man, we come to church. It's like, hey, that's a good word, brother, right? Keep preaching, and then kind of this moment is, oh, that was so good, I'm just gonna post that on Facebook or Instagram, but we do nothing with it. And so today I wanna to talk about that because if we just wanna pile, pile ourselves with, with, with more sermons and we just wanna hold on to like all the good things and we wanna be a part of some great services and we just wanna hold on to all that and not ever do anything with it, listen, we're gonna be, be in a coma and before we realize the opportunity is gonna be gone. So I wanna kinda of share a few of the statements if that's okay that has kinda of been talked about that I felt like man was really feeling to me over the last month, is that cool? Is everybody with me? All right, good. So listen, let's look a little bit at, at some things that, uh, that we've seen over the last few months. We got that up here, all right? Yeah, so, so the first thing is, uh, Pastor Steve in week one, he said, comfort can sometimes be our greatest enemy, amen? Like, listen, if we get comfortable and we get satisfied where we're at and we kind of get to this place where, well, I, I just like how things are going right now and we're not willing to move forward, we're not willing to you know, look forward to something new, that can be our greatest enemy. So like in church, really, this is just, this ain't even in my notes, but like these chairs that y'all are in right here, these things are comfortable. They're, they're not nicer than the pews, right? But like, so even though we wanted to have nice, comfortable chairs, the truth is these comfortable chairs can get you sleepy. Y'all can slump down, get sleepy. I'll get distracted. I'll be like, man, you're going to sleep. I'm preaching right? And it's just the kind of this moment happens where it's like, it can be your greatest enemy when you're trying to do a good thing. And so I love what Pastor Steve challenged us with, with the life, with the life of Elijah. Comfort and doing what's comfortable can sometimes keep you from God's promise. Uh, I just felt like that was such a weight. Week two, Pastor Adam said, deliverance is instantaneous and freedom is a journey. Man, when he said that, I thought, man, that is so true. God will deliver you right where you are. But walking in a life of freedom requires sacrifice. It requires a diligence. It requires some obedience. Like you just don't get it, right? You don't just get the freedom. You have to walk in it, you have to claim it. And so I thought that was so good. Man, it just, as we kind of are talking about food, I just felt this weight. Did he, does anybody else, are y'all with me? Like I just felt this weight and this kind of, this just, it just made me feel full. I'm like, man, this is good. This is good for me. And so uh, Pastor Steve closed out last week uh, with uh, the last last point here says, uh, our greatest obligations can keep us from our greatest opportunities. And man, for me as a a student pastor and a, a young father, and sometimes I'm on the high school campus and I'm at practices and I'm doing all this stuff. Like I've got all these obligations that I'm doing. Anybody else with me? I got all kinds of stuff that I feel like I'm obligated to. And in the midst of doing all and trying to do the best that I can, oftentimes I miss opportunities. And I thought, man, this is so appropriate. But as I heard it, I was like, gosh, this is heavy. This is a a heavy truth. And I, I have to, somebody help me. I have to do something with this. Like, I can't just hear this. I can't just hear these things. And so, man, there's a lot of days that I leave here that, uh, that I, I very rarely feel like I need something else. I very rarely feel like I'm not full. I'm not, I'm not ready. But the truth is the sad truth, right? Is that we'll, we'll, we'll eat and we'll consume and we'll bring it all in and we won't do anything with it. And so today, I just want everybody to know, we have to do something, right? We got to do something with what we hear. And listen to this passage of scripture right here in James chapter one. It says, uh, but don't just listen to God's word. You must help me do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. So this is the Bible. This is not, this is not my thoughts. And this is not a note. This is God's word saying, we can't just hear what the Bible says. We can't just listen to what the Bible says, but we have to do what it says. We have to do something. And I I just confess that there's too many times I come to church and I like to hear and I like to, I'd like to bring it in and I like to have worship. Woo, I feel close to God. And there's these moments, man, in my life where I'm like, I'm right where I need to be doing exactly what I need to be doing. But before long, because I'm not doing anything, I get back to where I started. Amen. Is anybody with me this morning? And so, man, I just believe God has something he wants to say to us. I believe he has something he wants to do in our lives this morning. See, the, the problem is that uh, that when we get to a place where we're not doing anything, oftentimes we revert back. And I can tell you, man, that as a youth pastor, anybody ever been to a worship conference? You ever been to a conference of any sort? All right, it could be a men's conference, a women's conference. All right, I've been to conferences. I, I've been to retreats. Anybody ever been to like a fall retreat, spring retreat? Winter retreat. We retreat all the time. We can do that. Okay, we're good at that at church, that and eating. Amen. Okay, and so I've been on conferences and retreats and revival services and and worship nights. And man, I'm I'm great at going to these things and taking it all in. And I feel so close to God. Right. That's what they're like designed for. But something happens two two weeks, three weeks out. I start feeling like I'm not as close to God as I was. Or I start feeling like well, I need that preacher that came from California or I need that worship leader that sings on that CD. Like I'm not where I was and I've, something's happened. And so I just kind of wanna pose this question this morning. Is that God? Is it that God just wants to show up in uh, you know, specialized services and conferences and retreats? Does God wanna show up right there and speak to us or is it us? Is it us that like we get to this place where we're like, man, I'm so close to God. I'm so close to God. But when we don't do anything, we revert back and we fall back to maybe further back than where we're supposed to be. And so i just asked myself that question and I just believe there's answers to this. And so we're going to look at a story for the rest of our time today where there's some ordinary guys. Is there any ordinary people in the house? Come on. Hello. Y'all good? Y'all got some extra sleep. I need you to help me out. Is there any ordinary people? Come on. So we're all ordinary and maybe some of you are like, no, when I look in the mirror, I'm extraordinary. And I'm like, yeah, you, extra, you need some extra humility too, okay? And so, but we're ordinary people. And in this story, there's ordinary men that has uh, encountered God. They had been in his presence. They had spent time with Jesus. Anybody ever encountered God? Spent time with Jesus, been in his presence. And so in this story, these men are ordinary, just like us. I love this right here. They, were, uh, they actually had uh, been a part of something great I just want everybody to know this this morning. You're a part of something great. God's called you to do something great with your life. He hasn't called you to sit, soak, and sour, but he's called you to serve and make your life great and do significant things for the kingdom, amen? And so these guys were ordinary guys that were with Jesus. They had experienced things that God had done, and they were in this moment in this story where they were doing nothing, and they fell back. I want you to see this because this is what I believe, man, God really wants us to look at. And so last week, Pastor Steve kind of referenced this passage. Uh, I like to think that he just kind of threw me an alley-oop and tonight, or today, we're just, I, most of the time I communicate at night, please forgive me for that. Uh, but he, he kind of just referenced this. And so, uh, man, I, I just think that he threw me an alley-oop and I'm just going to try to slam it down with the help of the Holy Spirit. Is that, is that okay? Amen. That was a basketball reference for some of you like, what? The law? Okay. So. This is what happens right here in John 21. This is just giving us the picture of what's happening. So later, Jesus appeared again. By the way, you just need to know this. Jesus has already died on a cross, has already resurrected, has already appeared to several groups of people, has already appeared to some of these disciples, okay? So here he is resurrected in his resurrected state, about to appear to him again. It says, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee, and this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, this is important. This is important. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Almost like he's heard the country song. We're going fishing, right? It says, I'm going fishing. And the other group, y'all help me with this. What's it say? We'll come too. I just want everybody to stop before we go any further. Everybody in this room, you have the ability to lead, all right? You have the ability to lead. You can lead in a positive way or you can lead in a negative way, all right? Just receive that. You don't have to agree with it. It's true. And right here, Peter, who is, by the way, the one that Jesus said, your name means rock. I'm going to build my church on your faith, on your statement. Here, Peter is supposed to be the leader, the one who always opened his mouth. Listen, he's the one that always had the first thing to say. Peter says right here, he says, hey, I'm going fishing. I'm going back. I'm going back, and the other disciples, the Bible says, will come too. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Everybody said they caught nothing. So, so here, here's this kind of helps me when I'm reading God's word and I'm trying to understand some more things. I'm like trying to figure out. Okay, well, wait a minute. Wait. wait, wait. So as I've read God's word, and if you've not ever read kind of the story of what happens, Jesus spends time with these disciples and called them by name, right? He called them where they were and said, hey, I need you to follow me. And then in the moment, they're like, uh, well, I need to go say bye to my parents and I need, what about my business? And Jesus is like, no, leave everything and follow me. So, so here we got these guys that are called by name Okay, they've they've spent years with Jesus. They've seen Him perform miracles. They've they've been a part of doing miracles themselves in Jesus' name. Jesus Jesus gave them the the power and the strength to do it, right? And they had they had encountered God do so many things. I started thinking about some of the stuff. Y'all know that like part of our faith is like when we see things and we can't explain it, but we're like, that's God? Like there's this moment where you're like, I want more of that God, right? And so these guys saw things that none of us have ever seen. So I was kind of like trying to figure this out. What would possess them to go back? What would possess them to go back fishing? And I think this will help us. But so these guys, they saw Jesus cast demons out, right? Can you imagine seeing that? How freaky that might be? Okay, just think exorcism, but like without all the Hollywood stuff, okay? And so like, they, they see this, they, they see this with their own two eyes. Uh, they saw Jesus interrupt a funeral procession. Uh, a widow is burying her only son and they're coming out out of this town and Jesus is walking. And of course, Jesus has compassion and he's being called to that spot. They're following Jesus. They see him walk up. Jesus didn't even say the kid's name. He didn't touch the kid's body. The Bible says that he touched the casket, hello. And the kid was resurrected just like that, got life. It's like they saw that. They were there in the midst of that. What would possess these these guys to go back? How could they, how could they experience all these things and then revert back? I started just thinking about a couple more things. They saw Jesus walk in and in the tomb where Lazarus was dead, right? There's a story in the Bible where Jesus's friend, Lazarus is dead. He has been dead for several, you know, several days. And like, they see Jesus walk in and go, Lazarus come forth. And all of a sudden, man, he comes forth and they're there. They have a front row seat at this. And so I'm looking at this story and I'm like, what in the world? Like you were there when Jesus died. You were there when he hung on a cross. You were there when he resurrected. You've already seen him. Why would you go back to fishing? Why would you get back in the boat? Is anybody else asking that question? What would cause you to go back? And I just want to say this morning that that I think it is because they were doing nothing. Somebody said we have to do something. So here, here, here's the deal. Jesus had given them like that. Maybe, maybe their excuse was, uh, well, you didn't tell us what to do. Wrong answer, Matthew 28, that maybe we learned when we were in children's church or vacation Bible school. Jesus said, go into all the world, right? Making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is one of the last things Jesus said. These disciples were there. They saw that. They were a part of that. So Jesus was saying, go, you have to do something. And in this story, they're not doing anything. And so maybe this morning, I started thinking about what are some reasons because I I like to think of that. So maybe it was that they were bored. Anybody ever been bored with church, bored with Jesus, bored with kind of your relationship with God, anybody? I mean, I have, there's been times I'm like, well, I, I I don't feel you like I felt you before and church just didn't, it just, I don't get the joy I used to get. Like there's been times in my life where I've been bored Maybe they were bored, or maybe they were discouraged. Anybody ever been discouraged sitting in church? Come on, anybody? Maybe they were just like, well, you know what? Our Jesus, the Messiah, the one that was, who, who's supposed to come save us, he's not here anymore, and he's not walking around doing ministry, and like now, now we're not like getting to follow him. Like Now he's not around to show us what to do and teach us, and as he's teaching people, like maybe they were just discouraged, or maybe they were waiting on the master to do it. I thought about this. Maybe they were waiting on the pastor to do it. Oftentimes we say, well, we'll just, we'll just let the pastors do the preaching. We'll just let the pastors do the reaching. We'll just let the pastors be the ones that go out and tell people about Jesus. Hello, right? Oftentimes we we say, well, the pastors, that's what they get paid to do. They can just go and do that. So maybe that's what they were doing. I just believe this morning is that they were doing nothing. Y'all say they were doing nothing. The fact is, regardless of what we think, they went back fishing. So here's the one thing I want you to take with you this morning right here. Check this out. Enduring and authentic faith manifests itself when we do something, when we do something. Listen, how many of you in this room this morning, you want a faith that endures? That like when difficulty comes up, when when situations and hardship comes upon your life, you want the kind of faith that like, no matter what, you are enduring it and you're moving forward. How many of you want that? Come on, that's what I want for my life. But not only enduring faith, authentic faith. I wanna be genuine. Like I hope, I hope and pray that like every student and every, every parent and every person that I ever come in contact with, that maybe something that they would say is like, he might not get it always right. And he may not look the best doing it, but like, he's, he's real. Like he's transparent and he's genuine. And what you see is what you get. Like, how many of you want to just be authentic? Like, I want an authentic faith. I want people to look at my faith and my relationship with Jesus and go, I want something real like that. That's what I want. I want it, I want it to be, man, I'm, I'm broken. I'm messed up. I'm going to make the wrong decision. The wrong, I'm going to make decisions that are not going to honor God. But you know what? I know that God gives me grace. He forgives me, and he gives me the power not to make the decision anymore. Amen? I just want, I want an authentic faith. And so I believe this. The only way to have an enduring and authentic faith, it only comes when we do something. Everybody say, when we do something. So I want you to think about this this morning as we kind of just move through this. I want you to think about a time in your life. Has anybody ever fell away from God? Giving your life to Jesus and you fell away from God. I want you to think about a time where maybe you were choosing to sin and not honor the Lord. If you can think about that time, I bet you also can connect to that time that you weren't serving God and you were doing nothing to impact the kingdom of God. But I also think that on the other token, because there's always another thing, right? When it comes to Jesus, it's not just one way. Listen, there's another side. I also think of times in my life where I felt close to God and I felt like I was serving God and I was making a difference. Anybody ever felt that? Like I I can look at those times and I can pinpoint in my life that I was serving God. I was doing something. I was serving other people. And so as we kind of look to this and we talk about this this morning, enduring faith, authentic faith, it only happens when we do something. Let's look at this story right here, what happens. Uh, so, so a couple of things happen in between the first paragraph, the first conversation to where we're at. Basically, Jesus realizes that, uh, or Peter realizes that Jesus is on the shore and that he's caught red-handed fishing doing what he wasn't supposed to be doing, right? And so the Bible tells us that Peter jumps in the water and swims over there and uh, is before Jesus and Jesus meets with the disciples. And then we're gonna pick up right here, where Jesus and uh, Peter kind of had this conversation. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? Somebody help me. No, "No," they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, they did something. They did what God told them to do. Y'all see that, right? And so it says, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Listen, I just want to throw this out here this morning. You don't have to agree with it. But if you do nothing, you get nothing. Hello? Like there's times in my life where I've done nothing and I get nothing. Let's make it more practical. Any students in the house. Students, if you don't study for the test, your grades are probably not going to be very good for the test, especially in college. Amen? Parents, listen. Listen, if, uh, if you don't get your kids in church and you don't make sure they're involved and plugged in, then when they, when they get older and they're not serving God, they're not living for God, if, if there's not kind of been a, a thing where th- there's been some, uh, some pressure and some, some discipline for them to, to serve the Lord when they get older, if they're, if they're not doing it, it's because they, you didn't do anything. So it's, it's, if we do nothing, we'll get nothing. It's, a, it's just kind of a, a, practical, a practicum for life. I started thinking about this uh, for, for me and my son. He's getting ready to play some basketball. Anybody got any kids about to play? I like to talk about Dalton a little bit. And so um, I was thinking about this, we just signed him up. He's got practice Monday and a game Saturday, which means he has one practice and a game, help us Jesus. And so, but he's got a basketball goal in the driveway. And we bought him a basketball that's the right size. And we got the gold of the right size. And it's just kind of a challenge that I've left out there to him. Like, son, if you want to get good, you have to shoot, right? You got you to work towards it. it. Nothing good comes without sacrifice. And I said, hey, listen, if that basketball sits right here and you don't practice and you don't do anything, then when the game time comes, don't expect to score any points and don't expect to start because you haven't practiced. Okay. It's kind of the same thing for us spiritually, If we're not serving God and we're not doing something, we can't expect promises of God to come into our life. I wish it worked that way. I wish it was that like we could just sit, soak and sour and hang out in church and God would just be like, oh, the blessings are coming. If we we just get to a place where we see all the circumstances and we we don't tithe and we're not serving God like we were and we're not telling people about Jesus and we're not being vocal about our faith, like don't expect the promises of God to come in. And so he says right here, Hey, guys, how's it working out when you're doing it your way, right? Because that's really what's happening. Y'all are out here fishing. You're reverted back. Jesus has this conversation, and they're like, hey, listen, we haven't caught anything all night. So then Jesus says, listen, try it my way. Throw the net on the other side. They did, and what happens in this story is they catch more fish than they can haul in. Can I just tell you this this morning? Y'all good, right? That if you'll do it God's way, there's always a reward. Amen. There's always a reward. If we'll honor God and we'll do what he says and what the challenge is, if we'll put it into motion and we'll put it into practice, there's always a reward. And here's what I love about God. Sometimes it can be a reward, but most of the time it's more of a reward than we ever thought about. It's more than we could ever imagine. It's so much that we can't even, we can't even fathom what God's doing. That's who he is. And so in this story, Jesus shows up and he says, hey guys, how's it working? you doing it on your own. And this moment comes where they're like, we're not doing anything. We're not catching anything. And Jesus is like, because you're not fishing like I told you to. You're not doing what I told you to. Everybody say we have to do something. Man, I, I thought about this. Uh, my youth pastor, I remember from a, a small age, a small age, like I was small. Anyways, I remember when I was a teenager, my youth pastor said, Ron, you're going to be at your best always in life when you're serving God and you're serving others. I want you to think about that. In your life, you are your best you when you're serving God faithfully and diligently and you're serving others. I can think back on times in my life where I'm not serving God. I'm not making good decisions. I'm thinking of when I'm not serving others. Maybe I'm just serving God and it's okay to serve God, but the process happens when you serve God, you ultimately serve others, right? And so you're at your best when you serve God and you serve others. I'm gonna finish this conversation and we're gonna be done this morning. Everybody say you have to do something. All right, right here, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter. Now this passage of scripture is uh, really referred to as the restoration of Peter. This is the moment where if you didn't know this, Peter had denied Jesus three times. Jesus said it was gonna happen. Peter said, no, I'll never deny you. But what happens is Peter denies him. Well, this is the moment where Jesus and Peter kind of have their one-on-one, okay? Anybody ever had a one-on-one with Jesus? I have, not pretty, okay? But right here, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, there's a lot of talk about what is more than these. Is it fishes? Is it boat? Is it, is, is it boats? Is it uh, the other disciples? Is it, is it people? Is it the ocean? Whatever it was, I don't think that's really what matters right here. He calls him a different name. Did anybody else see that? Because see, his name is Simon Peter, the rock, right? Petra, the rock. But right here, he says, Simon, son of John. Well, if you'll think about this and you need to know this, this was his former name. This is how he's first introduced in scripture. So Jesus is saying, well, because you're going back fishing, I'm just going to refer to you as your old man. Hello? Is this moment where he says, hey, because you have reverted back, I'll just revert back with you. And I'll just remind you of how far you've come and how far you went backwards. Are you not thankful for a God that does that? And so the conversation happens. Do you love me more than these? Go ahead, next verse. Go next verse. All right. So I, I think this is just really a powerful part here uh, in scripture. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Obviously he says, yes, Lord. Uh, yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then Jesus says, then take care of my sheep. Now, and now, I know that we could read this and go, what, what's really happening right here? I, what I think is happening in this passage is Jesus is saying, hey, uh, hey, Simon, because you reverted back, I'm questioning whether or not you really love me like you say you do or you claim you do, right? But then he says, if you love me, there's one thing you need to do. You have to do something. Come on, everybody say, I have to do something. Now, the thing about this right here is uh, Simon, son of John Anybody ever been called a name, like, when someone's trying to get your attention, they call you this name, and you, like, pull in, and you're like, uh uh-oh. Anybody ever? So, like, my wife can call me a lot of names. But when she calls me Ryan Ashley, and there's, like, the tone to it, I'm like, I'm in trouble. Oh, snap. It's not good, right? And so I think what's happening here, because it reminds me of— of when my mom would call me Ryan Ashley and I'm like, oh man, she's about to come up here and beat me. Right. Anybody, y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, so there's kind of this former tone. There's this, this name that you remember being called or whatever. That's what's happening right here for John or for Peter. He's being called Simon, son of John, instead of Peter, the rock. He says, Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know, I love you. Then you have to do something. Let's read on right here. A third time, so he asked him that two times. And a third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Obviously, Peter's frustrated at this point. And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked this question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. That's just a good denominator for all of us. He knows everything. And then right here, he says, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, you have to do something. Everybody say, you have to do something. So like the whole point of this, this morning, is that as we come to church and we do our faith and, and we live for God, like we can, we can experience God in his presence. We can walk with Jesus. We can serve God. We can do all of these things. But if we're not doing something with what we're, what's being brought into us, we're just wasting time. We're just wasting time. And more like these disciples, we're gonna go back. We're gonna revert back. So I wonder, man, this morning, I started thinking to myself, what if Jesus came in here this morning and he had this conversation with us? Would the message change? Would it be any different? And if he called us our former name or our former self, would it get our attention any different? And so maybe maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, like, would the mission be different? Would his message be different? I just want you to know, man, Jesus was clear on what he wanted them to do. He was clear right here. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Well, as you read this, you think, well, that's only what pastors do. They're the ones that preach and they're the ones that shepherd. Jesus is saying, no, 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 I called you. Come on, I called you to do something. I, t- I told you that, listen, there was one coming who's greater than me. And he. listen, you're gonna be able to do even greater things. Y'all say even greater. Jesus said this. He told the disciples this. He said that, listen, the, the Holy Spirit's gonna come and you, you're gonna be my witnesses and you're gonna make an impact you, we're going we're to advance the kingdom and you're going to be fishers of men. And in this story, man, these guys have went back and they're fishing for fish. They've went back. And I love this because Jesus is, he just keeps saying, I read it and I, maybe, maybe you're not, maybe you don't see it, but I'm just saying, he's saying you have to do something. You have to do something. You have to do something. Fishing's not going to get you there. Doing it on your own is not going to get you there. So with all these good words that we hear and that we've heard this whole month and piling ourselves spiritually and piling it all in in our hearts, if we don't do something with it, we're gonna miss out on the greatest opportunity, the greatest opportunity ever. And do you know what the greatest opportunity is? Amidst all the obligations of our lives, the greatest opportunity that any of us could ever have is to lead someone to Jesus, is to make an impact in someone's life for an eternal significance. Yes, winning ball games is good. And yes, your son or daughter playing travel ball is good. And yes, having families and, and marriages and honoring God in that is good. But even better than that is impacting someone else's life for the kingdom of God. We have to do something. And Jesus was so clear in this. In this moment, Peter's saying, listen, I'm, do, I'm going back. I'm discouraged. I'm, I can't do it on my own. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I got to use you. And, the, and what just sticks out to me in this story is Peter is still probably known as one of the greatest preachers to ever walk this earth. Significantly, single-handedly impacted the, the new church, the New Testament church greater than any preacher. The Bible says he would preach in one sermon and thousands of people would be saved. What if he was still fishing and that didn't happen? Think about your life. Think about your kids. Think about your grandkids. They need to see you doing something. Amen? We can't just take it all in and just pile it all in. We have to to push it out. We gotta do something. So in your workplace, in your schools, in your organizations, in your homes, we gotta do something. Feed my sheep, tend to the flock, do what I called you to do, do what I set you out to do. And here's the deal, everybody in this room, if you've ever given your life to Jesus, if you've ever asked God to come into your heart, listen, the moment he came in, the Holy Spirit came in too. And there's a there's something that happens in that moment, supernaturally, you can not achieve on your own. But what else happens is you are on a mission at that point for the rest of your life. You're called, not just pastors, not just teachers, not just the people that's up on the stage, it's every single one of us are called to do something It's just kind of this thought. I was challenging our students a couple weeks ago at our fall retreat. See, I told you we like fall retreats. But it's just kind of this thing. I just said, we have to give back what's been given. Everybody say that. We got to give back what's been given. There's this moment for us that God has given us grace and mercy and forgiveness. And he's given us a new life. He says, behold, the old is gone and the new has come. Who are we not to give somebody else an opportunity to do that? Who are we to choose to do nothing and sit around and not do anything and not extend that message and not talk about that message? God has given us grace. The Bible tells us from his abundance comes grace upon grace. Who are we not to extend that to someone else? We have to do something. And So this morning, kind of this, you gotta give back what's been given. Found people, find people. It's a core value in our church. It's what we, something we teach here. The people that receive grace are also the people that extend that grace. And so amidst all of our obligations, the greatest opportunity we could ever have is to impact someone for the kingdom of God. So maybe you're sitting here and I started thinking about, if I was here this morning and this message was here, what would I want? Maybe you're saying, I wanna do something. I wanna do something this week. I wanna make an impact right now. I got three practical ways that I think we can do something together. Is that okay? Can I share those with you? Number one, You got to get up. Some of you, man, you're discouraged. You're down and out. And you've been there for a year now, maybe multiple years. The first step is for you to get up. It's for you to get all this negativity out of your life, to get it off your mind, to get it off your conscience. Who cares what happened in the past? He's a God that cares about your future. Amen. You got to get up. You can't just stay there. If we just stay there with all this food we consume this weekend and we just sit on our rear ends, we're gonna gain weight and it's not gonna be good. Let's not take it in spiritually and just sit. Let's do something. You gotta get up. Number two, you gotta get out. It's gonna cause some of you, man, to get out of your comfort zone. You have to initiate some conversations you never had before. You gotta have some conversations with some family members that you're not really sure what they're thinking. Some of you, you gotta get out of some current situations and relationships so God can use you. You know they're not healthy for you. You know they're not beneficial. You know that it only comes, that negativity only comes with that relationship. You gotta get out of it. Get up, get out. Number three, you gotta get going. I can see Jesus have this conversation with Peter. Hey, Peter, it's time for you to get up and realize that there's a mission. It's time for you to realize there's a lost people and there's a church that has to be won by me and you, right, together. You gotta get up. Number two, you gotta get out. You, can't, you gotta get out of this fishing mentality. You are a fisher of men, right? You gotta get out of that. But number three, most importantly, you gotta get going. It's time for you to do the work. It's time for you to start serving and doing what I've called you to do. And so this morning, I just want to challenge this. I want to challenge myself. We can't just consume it. We got to give it back. Amen. We can't just take it all in. We got to extend it out. And so this morning, if we'll do these three things, I think we can do something to make an eternal difference in the lives of other people. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we love you. And Lord, we thank you for this time that we've had, God, just to be in here this morning and hear your word. Holy Spirit, I pray, God, that you just would begin right, right now, Lord, just to nudge hearts. Lord, I just pray for the person that's discouraged and they're down and out. And God, what they need more than anything this morning is God, just to, and, 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 uh, God, just to be energized and just to, a God, just a fresh wind to blow over them, Lord, where they, they realize that you have such a great plan for their life. Lord, I pray for those that just need to get up, that Lord, in Jesus' name right now, God, you'd get them up. And Lord, I pray for those this morning that just need to get out of some relationships and out of some comfort zones, that you give them the strength and the power and the wisdom, God, to make the decisions that they need, that they need to make. And Lord, I pray, God, ultimately that every one of us, God, would get ready. Lord, your word says to always be willing and ready to give an account. God, I pray we'd be ready and we'd get ready to go and make a difference. God, to go and not just consume, but Lord, also to give it out. And so Lord, we know we can't achieve this without you. So Lord, I pray we would have endurance. I pray God we'd have authenticity. And Lord, you'd help us, Lord, to make a difference in the lives of so many other people. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we honor the Lord this morning?